I think learning how to have these conversations and about how important it is to have them, no matter how old your child is, has really just changed my life and it's made us a lot closer. You're listening to the Mindful Parenting Podcast, episode number 420. Today, we're talking about how to talk about hard things with kids with Sarah Ulsher. Welcome to the Mindful Parenting Podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Parenting, we know that you cannot give what you do not have, and when you get calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark-Fields. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 25 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting course, and I'm the author of the best-selling book, Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids, and now raising good humans every day. 50 simple ways to press pause, stay present, and connect with your kids. Hey, welcome back. So glad you are here, as I always say, but I always am. I'm always really glad you're here. Listen, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you're subscribed. And if you've ever gotten any value from this podcast, please do me a favor. Go over to Apple Podcasts. You can probably do it right on your phone where you're listening to this. You just go and leave a rating and review. It's easy. It helps the podcast grow more, and it just takes 30 seconds. I hugely, hugely appreciate it. In just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down with Sarah Ulsher, the founder of Mighty and Bright. She creates books and tools to help parents put their family's mental health front and center. And we're going to talk about Sarah's story going through not only a divorce, but also through a cancer diagnosis and going through that with a young child and having to talk about these difficult things like divorce or maybe a medical diagnosis, right? Like, So Sarah walks us through talking to our kids about these big things in an honest way that promotes steadiness and resilience in our kids. Whether you are going through something big like a divorce or an an illness or you're not, this is a very powerful conversation. I really, really love talking to Sarah. It's incredible uh, communication lesson this episode. And I know that you are going to get so much out of it, um, whether you're going through something challenging or you're not. I, I really got a lot out of talking to Sarah and I appreciate her her message and her story so much um, and her approach to kids and how to take in that information. So there's so much to learn here. I know you're going to get so much out of it. Join me at the table as I talk to Sarah Ulsher. Are you struggling with kids fighting, yelling, and more despite listening to the podcast and reading all the books? Parenting can be so overwhelming and exhausting. You know, I see you and I have something that will help. Mindful Parenting SOS. I'm offering free live mindful parenting sessions starting Monday, May 6th. Basically, live mindful parenting lessons that you normally have to pay for. So if you struggle with getting your kids to listen, tantrums, misbehavior, and feeling the guilt of yelling at your kid, then you should definitely get your spot in Mindful Parenting SOS. I'll be there to answer your questions in person, and if you can't make it, we will have replays available. Don't wait to get your spot now. It's free. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com SOS to register. That's mindfulmamamentor.com SOS. I can't wait to see you there. Well, welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast, Sarah. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor. Great. great. Well, I'm excited to talk to you and I'm excited to talk about talking to kids about hard things because I'm all about communication. I I realized my own lack of communication abilities really distinctly when I became a parent. I was like, oh, I'm not a great communicator. It's not working well. (laughs) I'm always like eager to learn about this. And you say that like, when parents are dealing with something hard, often our kids are too. And you went through, you speak about this from very personal experience. You went through a period in your life 
where a lot happened when your daughter was really, really young. Do you want to take us through that? Sure. Yes. Um, <laughs> it's been a tough decade, to say the least. Um, it started when my daughter was a year and a half old and I went through a divorce. Uh, and she, you know, I thought she's really small. You know, how much could she possibly be affected by this? Uh, turns out research shows quite a bit. And then when she was six, I was diagnosed with cancer. So we've we've gone through quite a lot together. And I think learning how to have these conversations and about how important it is to have them, no matter how old your child is, uh, has really just changed my life. And it's made us a lot closer. And now she's 12. And I I'm just constantly blown away by her emotional intelligence. And I really do credit that to all the things that I learned about communication um, and emotional intelligence and, you know, teaching these types of mental health skills to her when she was young and impressionable. And now she's in middle school. And I just can't believe what a difference there is between how she is at 12 and how I was. So, yeah, definitely personal experience for sure um, and just a real passion for this topic. Well, first, is your, your cancer in remission? Yes. Thank God. My gosh. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. So you, now I imagine when a lot of, uh, imagine for a lot of people, if you went through a divorce when your child's that young, like a year and a half old, they're practice you know they're basically still a baby they're kind of in the a toddler you know there's you're not even sure how much the that they're really aware of what what you know you know they're not going to remember anything necessarily mostly so i'm sure a lot of people in that situation might be tempted to not really speak about the divorce and to just like have a new normal that you're experiencing you think it's important for parents to discuss things like that are hard for the parents uh, as well as the kids like this. So can you talk to me a little bit about why that is? Yes, absolutely. I think what's fascinating about kids, because I have a background in psychology, but I studied adults. And if I had known how fascinating child development was, I would have gone for kids 100% because they're really, even though they can't um, necessarily communicate themselves, they understand so much more than we give them credit for. And they recognize tension in the house. Um, you know, they say a lot of trauma is pre-verbal, meaning mm. that we don't necessarily remember with our thoughts what happened to us when we were really little, but we keep that stress in our bodies. And so the more that we can do to kind of mitigate that stress and the, that trauma for our kids, the better they can cope going forward. And so I was starting to notice some signs of anxiety in my daughter where she didn't want to leave my side. Uh, she was struggling to sleep, which honestly, she like barely slept anyway. So um, but it was like she needed to be like clinging to me in order to sleep. Uh, she would cry a lot. And I and then I started to notice it developing into kind of what I would consider more like strange sorts of anxiety where she was afraid of the shadows on the ground. Anything that was different would send her into just full on terror. And I thought, I need to figure out what to do to help her. And I talked to my ex-husband about it. And I said, I think we need to find a therapist. And he was like, what is a therapist going to do for a two-year-old? And I was like, to be honest, I have absolutely no idea. But she needs help, and I don't know how to provide it. Um, and so I found a trauma-informed child therapist and learned so much about child psychology. It really blew my mind. And it was at that, um, she really taught me a lot about validating my daughter's emotions, even though mm -hmm. my daughter couldn't express them yet. But I could mm -hmm. say things to her like, yeah, you're feeling really scared. Like those shadows on the ground are really different. And, you know, you think they might be dangerous, but don't worry, you know, we're, I can touch them. See, it's okay. You know, things like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
that I didn't realize were so important. And that really sent me down a rabbit hole of research on child development and the way that kids understand things. Um, And when the therapist went on vacation, she had pulled out this like construction paper calendar that she'd made. And she said, you know, I see you on this day usually, but then we're not going to see each other this day. We're going to see each other this day instead. And I was looking at this and my daughter seemed to really understand what was being shown to her. And I thought, why am I not showing her what to expect out of her day-to-day life? Like if the therapist Mm -hmm. is telling me that missing one appointment with her is enough to cause stress, you know, Mm. my kid is going back and forth between me and her dad. And some days she's going to daycare and some days she's not. And that must be really confusing. So I went home and created this calendar um, out of magnets and the drip pan that you put underneath a refrigerator that's leaking. And it was like night and day, her anxiety. She really, she really just at two years old would go over and look at the calendar. You know, we would go through it together and I would say, this is today. And you see, this is a mommy day and tomorrow is a daddy day and the next day is a mommy day, you know, and we would just go through it like that. And it was absolutely incredible how much it helped her. Um, And I recognized at that point that, um, you know, it doesn't really matter whether a child is going through divorce or not. Um, Most kids struggle with change, like little transitions during the day toddlers and little kids are known for melting down. So I I took it to another level and I created a routine chart. And, you know, so I could say to her, first, we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And I would take out a visual like a timer so that she could see the time counting down. So I could say in five minutes, this activity is over and then we're going to do this. And it made me realize how important visuals are to the way that kids understand things because they learn differently than we do. They learn visually and developmentally. They can't keep things like this in their heads. Like they have to see them visually in order to really absorb them. And so that was kind of the beginning of, I I never really would have thought of myself as being, you know, passionate about calendars, but (laughs) this really just kind of lit me on fire because I was so impressed with how much it helped. I, mean, I could see that like a little in my my own life with my with, when my kids were little, we had like a rhythm to the week. And so like mm-hmm. Monday night was pizza night, Tuesday night was rice night, Wednesday was pasta night. It was like what we ate. Right. So we had a yeah. rhythm like every and then Thursday was soup, something like that. I don't remember. It was uh, yeah, I don't remember <laughs> what the rhythm was. But we, you know, and they would know exactly what day they'd say, what night is it? And I would say, mm-hmm. it's pasta night. They'd be like, oh, or I'd say it's rice, rice night. They'd be like, oh, it's one day till pasta night. Because <laughs> they'd be so excited <laughs> for pasta night, you know? Totally. But, totally. but they, they knew exactly where they were in the week because of that. And they would check in on that regularly. And it, it provided them a sense of, like, predictability and rhythm that... Mm-hmm that, yeah, it did really seem to like decrease, you know, just provide a sense of steadiness and stability to their their lives. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcast right after this break. I want to tell you about a great podcast that you should check out, especially if you ever deal with any school system, which you probably do. It's called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. And this season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP and busts common myths about special education. So I checked out the episode on the difference between IEPs and 504 plans because my daughter Maggie uses a 504 plan and it was really, really helpful. It went over all the differences, which one's better, how to get them, different myths and what your rights are, all kinds of different things that you should understand if your child may need extra help in education through an IEP or a 504 plan. The tone is super helpful, friendly and smart. 
I highly recommend you check it out. To listen to Understood Explains, just search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's it. Understood Explains. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Kids thrive with structure. Absolutely thrive with it. And it, I think a lot of parents are like, why are my kids asking me the same questions over and over and over again? And it's because they can't keep it in their mind. They can't remember when pasta night is. So they have to keep checking it. Yeah. Yeah. I like the and the idea of the visuals it is so important. I mean, like the vast majority of humans are visual learners, actually. I mean, because we are such a visually oriented species, like that's incredibly, incredibly important to us. I've, I actually feel can I, I just have a tangent on this. I feel super frustrated. <laughs> I used to teach yoga and there was this like idea in the yoga world that like there was like esteem and the teachers who didn't model the postures and they just describe it and they would you know and and I would feel so frustrated that because I'm a visual learner and if you tell me like take my right hand and rotate it blah 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 blah, but if you just show me it's so easier (laughs) for me to understand what the f you are trying to have me do right like totally to see it kids are pretty similar in that they're like, you can tell me this over and over and over again, and I don't understand it. So you really need to show them. And it really, the understanding just goes from like zero to 100 so quickly. It's it's like magic. I would never have expected that. Okay, so your daughter is anxious. You took her to the therapist. You learned communication skills. You learned how to make calendars, help her with this predictability and rhythm in her life. But you're dealing with all of this as a single mother. And then you get this life-threatening illness as a single mother. Can you walk us through that experience and and dealing with it as a single mom? Yeah. yeah. Um, I really, um, I have a family history of breast cancer. And so I had really just been advocating for early detection, not thinking that anything was actually going to happen. And it was at I had this like strange sensation that felt like breast milk being let down. And I really, you know, you Google that, nothing came up. I just thought, I don't know what I thought. I just really felt like I needed to get it checked out. And so it was that initial um, screening that was supposed to be my baseline that found cancer. And it was supposed to be very early stage, they thought, um, It took up a large portion of my breast, so I was going to have to have a mastectomy. Um, And I immediately was like, just take them both, please. Like, I don't want to deal with this ever again. But they thought it was very early stage. And so when I was considering what to tell my daughter, uh, I just wanted to explain the science of cancer to her because she was six. And at this point, I had gotten really good at explaining things in a way that was really simple and honest. And mm-hmm. so I was looking for a book that could assist me knowing how visuals are and how, you know, kids really learn when you repeat the same thing over and over again. That's why they love books. That's why somebody who can't even read can narrate an entire book to you because they love that repetition. So I thought if I can get a book that we can go through over and over and over again, and the ex- explanation will be the same every time, this is going to help her really understand what's going on. Because the truth is that kids know something is going on. Even if you don't talk to them, they can like feel the energy shift in the house. They know people are whispering about things behind their back. They know something is not right. 
And so I knew I needed to explain to her that something was going on. And so I was looking for books and I couldn't find any. I would get, get these books and they weren't explaining what cancer was. They would just kind of make it a little bit floofy. Um, you know, mommy is sick and she might lose her hair, but cancer hates it when you hug them, hug it. So if you hug your mom enough, the cancer will go away or, you know, mm. explaining surgery with like really terrible, terrible knives and like just I hated them. And so I thought, well, okay, I guess I'll just do this without a book. And so I explained to her, you know, that our bodies are basically made of building blocks like Legos, but they're itty bitty and you can't see them. And that the cool thing about the way our bodies work is that those little building blocks are called cells and they can make a new one anytime they want to. And so you're, it's like building and never running out of blocks. But sometimes a broken one gets made and it doesn't know what to do except make more. And so, you know, it basically decides that it's just going to build and build and build, which doesn't sound so bad. But when it's crowding out all of the other cells that are trying to do their jobs of making the body work, we really need to get it out. Beautiful explanation. I, I mean, kudos. That's an amazing <laughs> explanation. I'm really impressed. Thank you. Yeah, that was it really helped, too, because it was a very and I hadn't planned on this, obviously, but it was a really good foundation because I could say to her, you know, they've just found a couple of these broken cells inside me. So they're just going to take them out and then it's going to be gone. You know, and my daughter, you know, when you have a conversation like this with your child, they're very perceptive. And she said, are you going to die? And I thought she's never heard you know, any of this before. And she's immediately going there. And I said, no, definitely not. And some people do have a really bad cancer. And I said, I, I was determined to use the word cancer. And the reason is because I knew she was going to hear it. Yeah. And if I, if she didn't hear it from me, then she was going to hear it from someone else. And their reaction was likely to be very strong because I was 34 and so I said to her, you know, cancer is a big word. That means a lot of things. And when people find out I have cancer, they're going to have a really strong reaction because they don't know whether I have a little bitty cancer or I have a really bad cancer. And it usually happens to older people. So I don't want you to be scared. And it was really good that I told her that because her uh, second grade teacher was new to teaching and the class started doing some project for a little kid who had terminal cancer and his dying wish was to get cards from other kids. So they put together this whole project and the teacher, who was very well-meaning, pulled my daughter aside and said, are you OK? And my daughter was like, yeah, why? And she said, well, because this kid has the same thing your mom has. And so then Imagine if my daughter hadn't had that baseline of knowing yeah. that the word cancer can mean mm -hmm. a lot of different things. I mean, and when you don't talk about these things, it becomes taboo. Your kids think something's going on that they can't talk about. And so she would have internalized that, not shared it with me or anyone else and would have worried about it. And mm -hmm. that was the last thing I wanted. And then the other thing is, most of the time when something is going on and parents don't talk about it, the kids not only don't feel like they can ask about it, but they usually blame themselves. So there's a lot of books on divorce and they are always have in there. It's nothing that you did because kids usually think, you know, I did something and that's why my parents are getting a divorce or I did something and that's why my mom is being really quiet and not talking about something. I must have done something terrible. So that's why it's so important to have these conversations because they're telling themselves some kind of story and you want to be the one to tell them what that story is. Otherwise, it's going to they're the main character and it's all their fault. Wow. I mean, there's so much there, Sarah. I mean, this is this reminds me of like so I, you know, in mindful parenting, I teach people to I messages to tell their kids how some behavior makes them feel and how it affects their lives. And mm -hmm. A lot of times people say, I don't want to, I'm worried about um, like making my child responsible for, for my feelings or dumping my feelings on my child. People are really worried about that. And my answer to that always is, your child knows what you're, you're feeling. <laughs> like your child 
may not know what it is, but they know what's going on. You can't just be like, oh, my God, honey. And you're like irritated or frustrated or or scared or whatever it is, like because Mm -hmm. we feel each other's emotions. And then like if you don't talk about it, if you are honest about what's happening in an age-appropriate way, yeah, yeah, your kids will make up some kind of thing, right? Like, they, you know, th- things that we don't resolve if we have conflicts, which is so normal and we don't talk about them, your your child will make up something that who knows what they'll make up. Yeah. And this also reminds me of, like, talking to Amy Lang um, about, she's been in past podcasts about sex, sexuality issues with child, and she always says what we want is we want our kids to be the most informed kids on the playground because then all this, you know, then you're like inoculating them against all the BS and all this other things that are scary and confusing out there because they're informed with real knowledge. Like this, this Mm -hmm. knowledge isn't something that's going to add to their anxiety and and difficulty, you know, or telling your feelings. It, this, these are things that are like informing your kids, and information is is ultimately it like helps them. Absolutely, and I would also just add on to that: you're you're modeling for your kids, you're modeling honesty, you're modeling strength, um, because hiding from like most of the parents that I talk to are really terrified to have these conversations because. You don't want to break your child's heart. You don't want to see that look on their face. Um, And you're worried you're going to do it wrong. And it takes bravery to have the conversation. I will say, just as an aside, this is not a one and done perfection Mm -hmm. sort of conversation. It is an ongoing conversation, which I think is what the benefit of having books and visual charts and things is. It's a reminder to your kids that they can ask you questions, that you can you know, go back to them later and say, oh, by the way, I wish I would have said this or I wish I would have said this or how are you doing? Um, But we're modeling for our kids what vulnerability looks like with a safe person. um, And we're giving them we're giving them the opportunity to have someone to help them through all of these hard feelings. And that's really important. We don't want them to go through their childhood feeling alone or like they have to deal with it themselves. And when kids are not informed, they're often trying to figure it out on their own and wondering, you know, why it isn't safe to talk about whatever it is. So we don't want them to feel that. So let's give our kids that information. Let's give like our kids that information in as many ways as we can, verbally, visually, <laughs> repetitively. Absolutely. Um, I love this. So you talked to her about your diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering, though, about you in this situation. Sorry, you're, you've got a cancer diagnosis. You know, you've got breast cancer. You've got a six-year-old. Mm-hmm. What did you do? In, and we live in a country that is notoriously terrible at supporting parents with young children. You know, yes. we we are all siloed into our nuclear families and you know, we're not connected to the community in a really like concrete day-to-day kind of way. And we don't have, you know, the financial support, all of those different things. So what did you do? I mean, at least that they have in other countries. What did you do to support yourself and your daughter through this situation? Well, I think most of us, I was notoriously bad about this. I never asked for help. And I think a lot of single moms are that way. I worried about being a burden to people. Um, I felt that I had made these life choices that meant I needed to do everything alone. And uh, I was diagnosed with cancer at 4 p.m. on a Friday afternoon. And um, by 6 o'clock, I had worked at a startup at the time. And my CEO knew that I was going to have this screening And she texted me to ask what happened. And I was in shock. And I said, I have cancer. And she said, what can I do? How can I help? And I was like, immediately, nothing. I had no one. My daughter had just gone with her dad. I was alone. And I was like, I don't need anything. And then she said, please, can I help you? Can I bring you something? Can I bring you groceries? Can I do something? And I said, you know what? Actually, yeah, that would be great. Um, Mm. And so. She brought me 
flowers. She brought me three grocery bags full of all kinds of random stuff. And she was just like, I, I'm so sorry this is happening. And that was the first time I ever accepted help. And I called my mom and I feel like she must have flown to my house from another state. She was there <laughs> like very fast. Uh, she must have been driving really fast. Uh, so I wasn't alone for very long. Um, and my parents really supported me. My friends would show up and do really kind things for me. One friend put parfaits in my refrigerator and didn't tell me. So I just had, you know, like people who were just giving me things with no expectation of anything in response. And it taught me so much about how important it is to allow yourself to relax and receive because the giving and receiving is a cycle. And if you say no, you are you are stopping that cycle. And it really is a beautiful thing that your village can do for you and that you then can do for them when you're able. And I'd never I'd never had that. So it was really uh, quite a lesson for me. And it changed my life totally. Um, so I, I allowed my friends and my family to help me. And I never would have thought that I would be happy to be divorced. Um, but my ex-husband and his wife, they had just had a baby. And he was like the most wonderful distraction for my daughter. Because mm -hmm. she could go to their house and play with her baby brother. And mm -hmm. we would switch our custody schedule around. And I say this, and I know that there are parents out there who are like, that could never be me because I have a horrible relationship with my ex-husband. And he would be like, good riddance, I hope you die, or something terrible. And I would have thought that that would have been my experience. But when someone is diagnosed with cancer, like in real life, it changed the entire dynamic in our co-parenting relationship. And everybody just was out to help my daughter help me. And um, and it really just, I would never wish cancer on anyone, but it really did help um, with, every, with everything. I just became a much better person, um, more willing to ask for help and be graciously accepting it. So I, I hope that people can learn to do that without having cancer. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and when people receive like like sometimes it feels like such a gift to be needed you know mm -hmm. to give something to somebody who needs it like it sometimes it feels really good to do an act of service rather than give yes. money or whatever it is like I want to yes. do a thing rather than you know I, it's just I want to like like that connection is valuable on both sides totally I think if I had said no to my CEO, she would have just been sitting there all night feeling terrible. Like, yeah. how do I, what do I do? How do I help my employee who is a single mom and was just diagnosed with cancer? And by saying yes, she felt good helping me. I felt good in that I didn't have to figure out what to eat for dinner. And, you know, it was, it was a gift to both of us. And I have been on the other end of that now, you know, with other friends who have needed help. And it really is, I would have been so sad if they had said no and not allowed me to help them, you know, pick up their kids and take them to school for them or whatever the case. Yeah. So it really yeah. is a gift to accept help. I agree. Um, did you end up having to talk to your family or your ex-husband or anyone about how to talk about the cancer with your daughter? Um. Actually, no, I didn't. I mostly ended up ha having conversations with other people about how to talk to their kids about it mm. because I became really passionate about this. And when you are young and you have cancer, you start meeting other people who are young with cancer and, you know, having conversations and support groups or whatever where they're coming in and they're saying, I'm not talking to my child about this, or I don't know how to talk to my child about this. Um, and so I would have conversations with them about how to introduce the topic. But um, but no, I, I, I think I did the explanation to Charlie, and I did not ask any, give anybody else <laughs> any uh, advice on how to do it, because she already knew, I guess, at that point. 
Yeah, you had given her that, that information. Stay tuned for more Mindful Mama podcasts right after this break. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Is this what led you to write your first children's book, this experience? Yes. Yes. So I, you know, you talked earlier about, you know, what we do to help people as a country. And I was very privileged at that time. I lived in California and was immediately able to take a year off of work and go on uh, temporary disability. And Mm -hmm. so I did not have to go into my work, which was great because it turned out I needed to have chemo and then radiation. And I had like three surgeries. So it was a lot. Wow. I I couldn't work. It was really um, just it really consumes a lot of your mind to have all of this. There was no way I could concentrate. And not everybody is that way. Um, most people that I talk to are. So I was very lucky um, to not have to do that. But I also have a difficult time sitting still and I need something to, you know, occupy my mind. And I needed some kind of a distraction. I couldn't stop thinking about how terrible the children's books were and, you know, that there really was a need for somebody to explain what cancer is to kids. And so I before uh, my divorce, I was actually an illustrator. I would do wedding invitations for people where I would draw them in front of their wedding venue. So I I had the skill of being able to draw. And I started kind of sketching out what cells would look like. And I wrote a book um, called Cancer Party. And basically this book was, it didn't feel quite right to me. I thought, you know, there's something like not right about this book, but I felt like it needed to be in the world. And so I started pitching it to, um, I started pitching it to different publishers and I started getting rejection letters that didn't say anything about the, they were like, this is a fantastic book. We really like it, but we don't feel that cancer is a big enough niche. And that made me oh. mad because I thought, oh my gosh, cancer is not a big enough niche. Like, do you know how many young people with kids have cancer? It's like, I think the statistics were over a million children under the age of 18 have a parent with cancer. Um, and so I, I had included those statistics and apparently that wasn't enough people. So I started researching, you know, what would it look like if I published it myself? Because I felt like compelled to get it out into the world. And so I ended up self-publishing it and it became an immediate bestseller on Amazon. And I thought, this is the point right here. I don't care if I never make a single cent from this. 
there are people who need this book as evidence by the number of people who bought it. Um, but there was something that didn't really fit sit right with me. Um, and I realized afterward it was that I really wanted a book that would explain how cancer affected the child and their hmm. life because mm-hmm. developmentally kids, the whole world revolves around them and they want to know that you're going to be okay. But they also want to know what does this mean now? Like, what does this mean for our lives? And so mm-hmm. my second book is called What Happens When Someone I Love Has Cancer and explains the science of cancer, which is what Cancer Party did. But it takes it a step further and says, you know, when someone has cancer, this is how they feel. This is how they act. They might not be able to do these things. This is what your life will look like now. And it uses mm-hmm. a calendar to show kids, you know, some days might look like this, some days might look like this. And it was a total game changer for so many families. And so those were my first two books, and they were both about cancer. I now have similar books for children with cancer and their siblings, because a lot of the time, if a child has cancer, their sibling has no idea what's going on, and they're kind of Mm -hmm. left behind to try and Mm -hmm. figure it out as the parents and the community rally around the sick child. Um, And then I have a book about divorce. And then from there, started writing books about, you know, teaching emotions and helping kids accept change no matter what it is. Because, you know, everything from starting a new school year to getting a new backpack is a change. And some kids don't cope very well with that. So it really did start a whole thing for me. That's awesome. I mean, that's such a great way to channel that experience to teaching, you know, this thing to make it this this great teacher and helper and, and things like that. Can we have a sneak peek into helping kids cope with change? What do you what do you tell them in that book? So that book is called Nothing Stays the Same, but that's okay. And it basically goes through, you know, that there are big and little changes. Um, You know, little changes happen every day and big changes happen every once in a while. And that it's a big change until you get used to it. And I use the example of like when you were a baby, being a human was a big change. (laughs) And that's why babies cry all the time is because, oh, my gosh, there's so many big changes. (laughs) Um, and and then it, it basically goes into feelings of overwhelm and how mm-hmm. when, when you're feeling stressed about something, you might not know in your mind that you're actually thinking about it, but mm-hmm. it can come out in being cranky or, you know, like the in the book, there's an example of like the main character, Mia, is trying to teach her cat how to hula hoop. And she's really overwhelmed about some of the bigger changes that are happening in her life. Wait, 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 wait. I want to guess. I want to guess. Does does she? Does she yell at the hooping cat? Does she like get angry and yell at the cat? She sure does. Of and course, the cat she is looking. The cat's looking at her and is like, "I think you might need you might need to take a break." And also, cats can't hoop. Like, you know. So it really just kind of goes into the whole like, this is what overwhelm feels like, and here are mm-hmm. some things you know, introducing some different coping skills that you can try in order to deal with those big feelings of overwhelm and that. All of these feelings are normal and you should ask all the questions, even if they're super weird. Like in the in the book, Mia is, is like worried, like, what if I start a new school and it's on a boat in the middle of the ocean and like the teacher is a dolphin and and the lunch is like purple dinosaurs and I don't like purple dinosaurs. What do I do? You know, so just go ahead and ask all of the like really weird questions. You know, all of these feelings are okay, and and you will end up getting used to the change, but that doesn't make it easy while it's happening. That's beautiful. I love that. Nothing stays the same, but that's okay. And that's such a great example of like why it's so important for us to share our feelings honestly with our kids, so that they can see that yeah, mom and and dad they they go through difficult feelings. Like they feel overwhelmed. They feel sad. They feel worried and embarrassed at different things and they're okay, you know, and and ultimately it just helps them that whole emotional intelligence sort of cycle. I mean, it sounds like with your daughter, you're very open, very honest and, you know, in a way like um, very vulnerable with her. You know, can you Mm -hmm. talk about the idea, the, the benefits of being vulnerable with her and 
admitting your your humanness and your mistakes and all of these things? Well, by my being willing to be vulnerable and open with her, I give her permission to be imperfect because none of us are perfect. And attempting to be perfect or thinking that we need to be is a source of so much suffering. And when I mess up, I go back to her and I say, I really wish I had handled that differently and I'm sorry. I'm now modeling to her that it's okay to make mistakes, that I am not beating myself up for the rest of my life. I'm repairing what went wrong and I see her doing that. I see her doing that now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when I think about what I want for her life, I know that she's not going to have an easy life because none of us do. And so if I can walk her through these hard things and show her coping skills and show her what it looks like to ask for help, to graciously receive it, to express to the people around me what my needs are, then when something hard happens to her, when she's a grown up, she now has those tools that are so necessary to get through difficult things. So it really is one of the best things that I have been able to give her. I'm really, and our relationship because of this is very close. And I know that she feels she can come to me when something goes wrong and that I am going to help her through it. I am going to listen to her um, because I've developed these skills and then I've taught them to her. We have the ability to, you know, I I have learned to regulate my emotions and not fly off the handle. <laughs> and if I do, I can come back to her and say, I am so sorry. That was not the reaction that I wanted to have. I am really stressed out over all these other things that have nothing to do with you. And you didn't deserve that. So it it really does. It helps. Um, it helps our relationship, you know, be closer. And she's getting to be a teenager. And that's when all of these things start to pay dividends because she will come to me with her issues instead of, you know, hiding them from me because she knows I'm not going to yell at her. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's such a great explanation of like how perfectionism is harmful to our kids because so many people who may come to mindful parenting, they feel so terrible when they make any kind of mistake. And and I say, no, you know, it's you have to make mistakes. Like it's important for you to be human and mess up and to and and do what you're doing and to practice at least doing what you're doing, Sarah, which is like offering yourself compassion and starting anew. Like they need to see all of that. They need to see us go through that whole cycle. I mean, if it would be terrible to have a perfect parent because then you wouldn't know what to do with yourself being an imperfect human. Absolutely. A lot of the things that feel really hard to me, I recognize are a product of the way that I was raised. And so many of us want to do differently by our kids than, you know, our our parents didn't know what we know now. And so it's it's a hard thing to kind of break generational cycles. But when I think about the things that I find challenging and the things that are really difficult for me and the quest for perfection, the quest for, um, you know, success as, you know, financially or whatever these things are, if it feels bad to me, I don't want my daughter to experience that as an adult. And so I think this feels bad to me when I am looking in the mirror and don't like the way that I look because I've gained weight or you know, whatever it is that is a product of the way that I was raised, I think, what do I need to do so that my child grows up and doesn't look at the mirror and think she sucks because of the way that she looks? Or mm. what do I need to do in order to, you know, have her be able to ask for help? Because doing everything alone is really hard. How can I model to her as a single mom what healthy relationships look like? Because I don't want her growing up and making bad decisions that end up making her feel bad or, you know, being around people who say mean things. So these are the kinds of things that I try to be really conscious and mindful of and, um, you know, make a make a different decision in the way that I am presenting it to her. That's beautiful. 
it, it's funny, like, as we were talking, like, I glanced at the time, I was like, oh, my God, like, I feel like I could talk to you. <laughs> I could sit down and we could just talk for three hours about these things. But um, but I, I really enjoy talking to you. I think that I'm, I'm definitely going to check out uh, Nothing Stays the Same, but that's okay. And and so just as kind of like a final question for wrapping up, what advice do you have for people who are going through something like something really difficult with their kids, like, like a divorce or, or like a, a cancer diagnosis? Ask for help, ask for support. And when it comes to talking to your kids about it, there are so many professionals out there that are willing to help. I realized pretty quickly that people needed some support in um, how to have those conversations. So I created a download that's on my website and I'll, I'll give your listeners um, a coupon to get it for free. Um, and it's basically like how to how to talk to your kids when something really hard has happened. Um, and it basically goes through like, here's how you set up a conversation. Here's how you make sure that that conversation is ongoing. Here's, you know, how you can help your, your broader community, help your kids. So like talking to the school, talking to, you know, other people in your kids' lives. Um, and I think that that just having that foundation of how to have the conversation takes such a load off. So don't avoid it because if you avoid it, then it's just sitting there on your back, making you feel like you are carrying the world and you don't need to do that. The sense of relief that you have when you have these conversations, I, I can't describe it. It's like it's such an enormous load off. So just please have the conversation. I think that's that's beautiful advice. It's always better to process these things, right? Like we need mm -hmm. to be with each other and process these things. We need to like digest it. Well, Sarah, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you and um, sorry to hear about the ways that you suffered, but I'm very grateful for it in like a weird way and that it's made, it's made you grow. I'm mean, like, I don't, you know, you're such a beautiful person. You've thought so deeply about these things and then you've put this out in the world in a really cool way. And I think that's really, really wonderful. Um, Thank you. So where can people find out more about you and get their conversation cheat sheet? Yeah, um, my website is mightyandbright.com. And if you use the coupon Mindful Mama, you can download that ebook for free. Um, I have a whole lot of different calendars for all kinds of different changes that kids go through, whether it's divorce or cancer or they're part of a military family or the child is autistic. Um, I have all kinds of different visual supports for kids, um, and you can find them all at mightyandbright.com. And I'm also on Instagram and TikTok at mightyandbrightco. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I really appreciate you sharing your time today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I love talking to Sarah. I feel like her communication style is so, so honest, authentic, and helpful for kids. I hope that you got something out of it, too. If you did, I would love it if you could leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That makes such a big difference. If you enjoyed this episode, just click over really great on your phone where you're listening to this. There's a place you can click review. And you can, if you loved it, leave a five-star review. If you didn't love it, yeah, maybe not such a great time to leave a review. But it makes a huge, huge difference. And I want to give a shout out to the five-star review left from Texas Mama 1975 who said, love this podcast. I've been a subscriber to the Modern Art of Parenting blog for a year and stumbled upon this podcast there. I'm so glad I did. I have a seven-year-old with Down syndrome and these podcasts have provided great information. I am so, so glad this helped you. Thank you. And thank you so much for leaving that review. So that is a great thing to do today. And I'll make a big difference. And also, hey, I'm so glad you're here just listening and being part of this. I'm so glad that you are filling your cup with information that is going to make you a more thoughtful parent, right? Like we're just watering the seeds here. Like I think of us as good gardeners. We're watering the seeds of awareness and compassion in ourselves. We're, as we water them for ourselves, 
We're watering them for our kids. And that's what we want to do. We want to be good gardeners and we want to selectively water, right? Like, you know, you got to think about that. Like all the media that you take in, that I take in, right? All the media that we take in is like, it's like food, right? It, it's either nourishing our body mind or it might be planting seeds of, of worry and fear and things like that. So my intention for this podcast is that this podcast will plant seeds in you of peace, of thoughtfulness, of awareness, uh, will expand your perspective on things. So that is my goal is to help you be a good gardener. And so you're listening to this right now. So I know that this has watered some beautiful seeds in you. So let's continue to water these seeds together and and of course share it with others so they can too. And um, hey, have a beautiful week, my friend. You know, whatever's happening in your life, I know that life never stops, right? Like until it stops, I guess. And then, you know, there's always stuff coming up, no matter how old our kids are and no matter what's happening, it's not easy to be a conscious human on earth. So be kind to yourself this week and I will be practicing that too with you. So thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to connect with you again next week. Namaste. I'd say definitely do it. It's really helpful. It will change your relationship with your kids for the better. It will help you communicate better. And just, I'd say communicate better as a person, as a wife, as a spouse. It's been really a positive influence in our lives. So definitely do it. I'd say definitely do it. It's so worth it. The money really is inconsequential when you get so much benefit from being a better parent to your children and feeling like you're connecting more with them and not feeling like you're yelling all the time or you're like, why isn't things working? I would say definitely do it. It's so, so worth it. It'll change you. No matter what age someone's child is, it's a great opportunity for personal growth and it's a great investment in someone's family. I'm very thankful I have this. You can continue in your old habits that aren't working or you can learn some new tools and gain some perspective to shift everything in your parenting. Are you frustrated by parenting? Do you listen to the experts and try all the tips and strategies, but you're just not seeing the results that you want? Or are you lost as to where to start? Does it all seem so overwhelming with too much to learn? Are you yearning for a community of people who get it? who also don't want to threaten and punish to create cooperation? Hi, I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and if you answered yes to any of these questions, I want you to seriously consider the Mindful Parenting membership. You'll be joining hundreds of members who have discovered the path of mindful parenting and now have confidence and clarity in their parenting. This isn't just another parenting class. This is an opportunity to really discover your unique, lasting relationship with your children, but with yourself. It will translate into lasting, connected relationships, not only with your children, but your partner too. Let me change your life. Go to mindfulparentingcourse.com to add your name to the waitlist, so you will be the first to be notified when I open the membership for enrollment. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. mindfulparentingcourse.com. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. 
And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking